0: Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I wanna thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. hey guys welcome to gravetop online i hope that your valentine's day is going well we got froze in right we wanted to make sure that all of you guys are safe and so we went all online today but i hope that it's still fun for you i was really looking forward to the feedback questions today but we'd rather you guys be safe and with that being said happy valentine's day i hope your day is special i know ours will be I get to spend it with my best friend and all of my favorite kids in the world. And so it's going to be really special for us today. Today, we are going to be going over a really serious topic, and that's Valentine's. That is everything to do with Valentine's, it's relationships, it's sex, uh, and the undertone of everything today is the title of our message, which is Desperate, Desperate. And... This is a breakaway from the series that we've been going through, The Living One, and this is actually a message that I originally wanted to be an entire series, but we're going to pack it into today, and I think it's very timely. All of this message is going to be geared to talking about really identifying the moments that we become desperate, sometimes without realizing it, most of the time without realizing it and how to really identify when we're ex- having those traits and, and expose all the things that we need to be aware of within our lives uh, when it comes to being a Christian and relationships uh, and so that we don't end up making these huge pitfalls like so many do. So the first thing that we're gonna talk about today when it comes to this message about being desperate is we're gonna focus on the idea of sexual dependency sexual dependency sex is one of the most misunderstood and avoided topics within church sex is one of the most misunderstood and avoided topics among Christians sex is like a fire a fire that can either nourish you bring warmth provide uh, uh, comfort, or it is like a fire that can burn down your entire house. Most humans in the our world, most humans have sexual cravings that rise at puberty. And more than 92 percent of men, and 76 percent of women practice masturbation during puberty, uh, uh during puberty onto adulthood. This is a really incredibly high statistic, a percentage that shows how dependent mankind is on sexual interaction. I mean, think about how, and that's just with, I believe that all statistics are very limited, but for it being such uh, this is out of thousands of people. This statistic was done with and to come up with such high numbers shows that there's a clear DNA particle within mankind when it comes to sex. And it shows how dependent we are on that sexual interaction. With that being said, it doesn't mean that we should throw off all restraint, all bridles and, and just go to town. It doesn't mean that we should throw off all restraint and act like we're unthinking animals. If we, if we were to treat everything like that, because that's the way some people think is that when it comes to sex, it's just part of our being. It's our, it's our natural inclination. It feels good. It's so natural. Everyone does it. Everyone experiences it. It's natural. If we were to take off all restraint and just do whatever feels good sexually, where else in our life do we hold that kind of standard to where you just take off restraint and, and let loose, have some fun? If we did that in any other area of our life, we would all be obese. We would, we would all be out of a, our job. We would all be out of a job. We would all be obese. We would all be filthy. I mean, all the things that are good and healthy are, are practices of restraint. Just brushing your teeth is a practice of restraint. A healthy diet is a practice of restraint. Waking up early, not hitting the snooze, work ethic, all of these things are healthy practices that are out of restraint. And so again, just because sex is something that is a part of our our lives, a part of our world, doesn't mean that we should just throw off all restraint because it's natural. That's that's ludicrous. In what we need to do especially as christians is that we are called to take our bodies and even our thoughts captive and make them subject to christ we are called to a level of purity as christians and and even even taking christianity outside of that there are so many studies so many statistics that show how you can become traumatized just from from excessive se- sexual interaction with with people, and it is it can be a traumatic event if you just take off all restraint. That's not even in the Christian world; that's in secular world. And so, I want us to really uh, to cover this base of this sexual dependency that we have, and and really understand that it is a part of our lives. But we it, just like with every other part of our life, we have to get it under control because not only is it <laughs> is a dangerous, but it will lead to unhappiness. It will lead to unfulfillment and it's uh, it will leave you feeling empty if you don't get this under control. And so I know that a lot of people have some really basic questions about sex. And so real quick, as quick as I can. I want us to go over some red lights and green lights when it comes to sex within our Christian faith. The Bible is very specific about sex in some areas, yet silent in others. Here's a simple idea of what is clearly okay, not okay, or dependent on one's own convictions. Let me say that again. We're going to go over some things that are clearly okay, things that are clearly not okay, and other things that make it very uh, clear, because of the lack of scripture, that it's up to your own conviction. So the first one, and, and let me let me also say this: that today I'm not going to be piling in a lot of scripture because we have so much content, and so I will give uh, certain scriptures to help guide us. But I want you to, uh, I want us to really go through this as a conversation today. So let's start off with premarital sex. Premarital sex is very clear in Scripture that it's not okay. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that sex is something that is supposed to be within the confines of marriage. To allow sex unbridled in your life is to let, is, is to let others clean their muddy feet in your drinking well. The Bible literally describes it like that in Proverbs, and uh, to, to just let anybody in to muddy their feet, their, with their muddy feet, to come and wash in your drinking well, it's disgusting over time. And uh, it, how many times does it take for you to not want to drink that water anymore? And this is, I'm talking both figuratively, like spiritually and physically. I want to share with you, we're going to just uh, pull out of one chapter today in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we're going to mainly pull out of here for, uh, for these parts here. In chapter 7 in 1 Corinthians verses 8-9, Paul says, So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves... They should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. I want us to just look at this part of scripture here. Paul is addressing sexual uh, sexual passion, sexual desire. And he's saying, hey, I would rather you guys not be married so that you can focus on (laughs) building the kingdom of God right now. But if you can't control your passions, it's better for you to marry than to burn with lust and when it what does that say about premarital sex if you can't control yourself if it is consuming your minds and thoughts then you need uh, you you may need to really date to marry <laughs> it doesn't mean that we should look to marriage as just a license to have sex we're going to get more into that later but do you see how paul is making it so serious that premarital sex is not an okay thing. It's not something to be swept under the rug. He is a wise man. He gives a he gives amazing great marriage advice. Later we're going to even look about what he says about conflicts within marriage and divorce and things like that. For him to suggest it's better for you to marry than to burn with lust. He's he's showing that there's an importance and emphasis On sexual purity that God cares about and we as Christians we need to stop making excuses and and just take this more seriously stop having premarital sex if you want to grow in your faith because that's what God calls us to and if you can't control yourself instead of just feeling like you're the worst Christian ever feeling guilty all the time maybe you just need to get more serious about your relationship and put commitment to all of the privileges you've been taking from that relationship. You've been taking all the privileges of pleasure and sex. Maybe it's time for you to commit to that person you've been using for pleasure. And, and it's really not that complicated. Now, before we unpack marriage, I want us to also touch on this. What about, so we know that about sex, right? What about premarital sexual acts? that ranges from kissing to oral sex and everything in between. Those are all the bases (laughs) that is, that is everything premarital when it comes to sexual acts. Now this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stray away and give advice and opinion. Part of this is up to your conviction. So there's some people that aspire to not even kiss before marriage. That is a great aspiration for me and my wife. That was not something that we did. It's something we talked about, but it's not something we did. We only dated for six months, but we didn't have sex before marriage. So we were really proud of that. Now, look, we're not heroes. We, we went really far and farther than we wanted to go, but we, we are able to hold on to that, that we didn't have sex before marriage. Now, that is up to your conviction. I would say it's up when it comes to sexual acts. It's up to your conviction, up to the point of climax or ejaculation. Now, what I'm saying is anything that is leading for either one of you to climax, dude, you, you're you like borderline having sex. Like you, you may not have penetrated, but you are still engaging in something so sexual that you're climaxing. I mean, I, I, I feel like uh, I, it's like red light, green light. It's like up to that point, it's like you've gone too far. And anything that is stimulating that should probably be stopped. If, if you're always going to the edge and leaving so hot and bothered that that you have to masturbate right after anyway. I mean, you're going pretty far to where that is probably something you should avoid when it comes to premarital sexual acts because you're not going to be able to control yourself for much longer. And uh, and everything everything before that, if you're just if it's like kissing, I want you to understand that kissing is even a, is a form of foreplay. At, at the end of the day, kissing or I would better say making out is, a, is foreplay to getting a home run. <laughs> that That's what it's leading up to. It's enticing sexual passion. And what happens is you become so uh, blinded by the, the desire and passion you're feeling that you end up neglecting the true interaction with this person. So many people end up getting married just out of those passions. And all of a sudden, they have... A whole bunch of sex a couple months later maybe two years later they're like well why am I with this person I don't care about having sex that much anymore since I did all that now what and so many great possible relationships end because they made it all about sex marriage should not be a license to have sex but it is a license to have sex I hope that makes sense what I'm saying now going uh Going into within marriage, before, uh, actually, let me back up. Let's now talk, before we go into marriage and relationships, let's take a moment to pause on masturbation. Masturbation, I feel like, is one of the most gray areas within scripture, within church, and so many people have just giant assumptions of whether it's okay or not okay. I, I'll, I'm going to just be as clear as possible um, in saying that this is a very big gray area that is up to your conviction. I, as a teacher of scripture, cannot pull any verses that make it abundantly clear about masturbation being a sin. I will share with you some verses. Uh, I'm not going to give you the exact verses. I'm going to, like I said, I'm trying to plow through this part so we can get to the more content. But the verses that are commonly used to say that masturbation is a sin is one in Genesis when a son of Judah was fulfilling his duty as a brother-in-law to give children to his sister-in-law but every time he was about to climax within her to be able to just give her the children and then be done with it, he would pull out and spill his semen on the floor. It's for, see that? Even in scripture, we see the full first pullout method. and what And it says that God was displeased with this and caused him to die. And so people have taken that and said, see, wasting semen... <laughs> W- wasting semen is a sin and that's why god killed him that's completely out of context he was virtually he was he's was practically raping this girl he was abusing and manipulating his duty as a brother-in-law uh to provide children for this 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 woman and he was using that in his one duty he was he was taking away and uh and using her just to fulfill his passions. It, it, was, it was really a sick and twisted situation that he was abusing. He, he abused his role. He abused his position. And that's why God killed him. Not because he was wasting semen. Um, that is, uh, to me, that is a big, huge jump. The other big verse that is used to say that masturbation is a sin is when Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 says that if your eye causes you to sin, you should gouge it out. It is better for you to enter heaven with one eye than enter into hell with two. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, or even your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better you to enter into heaven with one than enter into hell with two. And so what people have done is said, well, he's making a connection between the eyes and the hands. It's lust leads to masturbation. And so he, why else would he say your stronger hand? That's a big jump because to assume that when, even when he's saying, if your eye causes you to sin, that is a broad statement, not specific. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Not if your eye causes you to lust specifically, gouge it out. And it, if your hand causes you to sin, not if your hand causes you to masturbate, you should cut it off. Sin is, it, I mean, he right after that he says if your foot, even your even your good foot, causes you to sin, cut it off. I mean, he literally just goes through the main uh, parts of uh, points of contact and senses of our body to draw a connection of the emphasis of of. Holiness and purity and and repentance. And the idea of your eye only being about sexual interaction, coveting happens with the eye. Killing happens with your hands. Stealing happens with your hands. And so, again, the Bible is very, very specific on sexual sins and other places of Scripture, but mysteriously silent on the idea about masturbation. Why would he be so? Why would, why is Scripture so clear? On certain sexual sins, but so uh, silent on this one. Again, the the only thing I'm trying to point out is that there is not clear evidence of it being blatant sin in Scripture. And so, what that means is you should really just pray to God and ask Him about it, what it is for you and Him, because um, Scripture would, if you were to just look at Scripture without. Uh, without any inclination of the Holy Spirit, without anyone telling you uh, their opinion about it, there'd be nothing to derive the idea that it is a sin for you. It, it, the only things that you could take away is that lust is a sin. Pornography is a sin. We can see that, but masturbation is something more vague that is up to your conviction. What I've seen is, is a lot of people trying not to look at pornography or trying not to masturbate end up looking at pornography in in their struggle. And it's like this vicious cycle to where they're trading one uh, one demon for a worse demon. And uh, I I really think that masturbation has been blown out of proportion within our culture and church and that uh, it really should be something that that you talk about with God with instead of just hide and feel guilty over something that you may not even need to feel guilty for. With all that being said, I think uh, anything that might be permissible does not mean that it's also good for you. And so there's more scripture on that. But again, we're, we're getting away from the top, what we're really wanting to talk about today. So I hope that's clear. Now the final thing is sex and sexual acts within marriage. I believe that sex and sexual acts within marriage, scripture tells us, is okay and even encouraged. Let me just read this verse to you. First Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 through 5. Paul says, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations, but because there is so much sexual immorality each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Notice that he first says the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. He says that first, and the wife should fulfill her husband needs husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives her his uh, authority, gives authority over his body to his wife do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer like anyone (laughs) is praying that much afterward you should come together again so that satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control so paul is literally encouraging for married people to have sex, and it says you should come back together because before Satan, so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Paul is just saying over and over this chapter that sex is a big part of mankind's desire, and that we should put that desire within the confines that God has given us in marriage. And if we try to to if we try to just go around it or avoid it or not talk about it that it is becomes a trap over and over and again uh because it is something that is just innate within us so when it comes to what is okay not okay it, within marriage a lot of people have questions about like what am, is is world sex okay to do if i'm married i really believe that marriage is an open playing field with only your one spouse. When I say open playing field, I don't mean with multiple people. I'm talking about just with your one spouse. It's an open playing field and that, that is able to be explored as much as you and your partner are comfortable with. I really believe that once you get through the gate of marriage, it, feel free to do whatever you want that you guys are comfortable with. But it's within marriage, within those two people alone. So now that we've talked a lot about about, uh, the the green lights and red lights of sex, I want to just close on this idea about sex. We talked a lot about getting married as a license to have sex. Let me say this, that commitment is more important than compatibility. Commitment is more important than compatibility. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 through 11, Paul says, but for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. I've heard some crazy stuff. (laughs) I've heard some people say, That a wife can't leave a husband, but the husband can leave his wife. This verse is so clear, and the husband must not leave his wife. just for free. Some Christians get married because they can't control their sexual passions, and they feel guilty. Marriage is looked at as a retroactive license to have sex. But just a bit of time passes after most of these Christians get married to have sex, and they begin to feel like they are no longer compatible. I'm talking about real life marriages, real people that get married so that they can stop feeling guilty. Time goes by. couple Whether it's a couple months, whether it's two years. And they start to doubt why they got married in the first place. Which is usually just a bunch of sexual passion mixed with compatibility. Divorce follows... Because it's looked at as just a mistake. We we should have never got married. We were, we were overthinking it. We were just wanted to have sex. We're not compatible with each other. Let's just get divorced. Compatibility can change within people at different seasons of life. I want you to grasp that idea real quick. Everything that you think about when it comes to relationships usually is centered around the idea that, well, we're really compatible with one another. People change over time. We experience things. And it is just normal and even destined that as you grow, your compatibility might drift farther and nearer. And if you were to make... Permanent lifelong decisions like divorce based off of a compatibility issue I would urge that you're making a huge mistake because Again, you were compatible once Things change and now you feel like you're not as compatible Well, things may change again. You may even be more compatible than you were at the beginning It Commitment is the only foundation that you can stand on through the storms of life, the storms of time. When Paul is just making it so clear, saying, don't leave him, don't leave him. He's saying, commit. And so let's tie that into everything Paul was saying earlier. If you can't control your passions, get married. And if you get married, commit. You need to commit and stop overthinking it in your head and make it work you got to make it work. Within this chapter, I want to be clear. Paul says within this chapter, however you came to the Lord, that's how you should be. He says, whether you're with someone or not with someone, just let, don't try to reverse whatever your past was. Just allow this moment to be a new point of time where you're walking forward. And so as I'm giving this message, if you're already divorced, I'm not telling you to go back to your old spouse and make it work. Just let's move forward from here. Unless God or the Holy Spirit is telling you that, I'm not, uh, this is just about moving forward. Let's walk to the future. Paul says, however you come to Christ, don't try to change that. He said, uh, so uh, now going back to this idea of commitment, no one has any commitment anymore. You know how hard it is. Just, I mean, haven't you, how many times have you bailed out? On going to somebody's house or having a hangout, you're gonna meet up for coffee. Me and my wife have that happen all the time. No offense to anybody that's watching this, we're used to it, but we we get canceled on all the time because people just can't keep a commitment. Not just even for a hangout, let alone marriage. Commitment is just so petty. It is so so withered now uh, in our time. And it is looked at as an afterthought or as uh, an aspirational value, something that you try to get but never really get. Commitment is a decision that needs to be made on the be- in the beginning, during, all the way to the end. It is something that you have to constantly decide, especially when you're going through hard times. Commitment is more important than compatibility and commitment will save your marriage. Stop worrying if you're compatible or not. As if this idea that compatibility is like the superstitious uh, affirmation of you being able to have a successful marriage or not. It's about being committed to one another. Me and my wife, I am in love with her more than I've ever been in my entire life. And what I fell in love with at the beginning, she's completely changed from the person that I married. I have completely changed from, from the person that she married. It's not about whether we have been able to recompatibilize, whatever that means. It's not about being compatible, being compatible. Oh, how can we be more compatible? It's about being committed to one another, no matter who changes, no matter what changes, whatever happens, I'm committed to you. I hope that that speaks to you. When we're talking all about this idea of sex and marriage and relationships, it's about commitment. Now, let's go into the part where I really wanted to focus on. And that is our second second point here is obvious problematic motives. Obvious. Say that with me. Obvious problematic motives motives people ignore obvious red flags in relationships when they are desperate that's what we're talking about right being desperate people ignore obvious red flags within relationships when they're desperate think about every bad relationship you've had before and the red flags that you notice afterwards You did see them at the beginning, but you were so desperate you were willing to overlook them. I'm going to go over three different kind of mentalities or mindsets that people get when they're desperate. And I'm going to, there's a little, a little quote for each of them that you may have said, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You're going to go there in your mind and I just want you to know that I'm not trying to call anyone out. (laughs) This is just, this is a broad spectrum that a lot of people go through these different types of mindsets. Their first one is the midlife crisis mindset. This, this mindset causes you to say something like this. This is my last chance. He may be the only one. She may be the only one. What if they leave? What if I don't find somebody else? See, this is the midlife crisis mindset. And what it is, is having an incredibly limited perspective to right now, right now. This is all I got right now. And this is all that's what's in front of me. It's right now and what's in front of me. Limited mindset, completely limited mindset you you may know a lot of people but at the end of the day you don't know the entire world you don't know you don't know your whole city you don't know your whole town you only know the people that you know and for you to think this is my last chance and you're willing to settle for somebody that is not good for you because you're that desperate thinking that there's no one in the future there's no one uh, else around in the entire world that you can find that might be better for you. Do you see how silly that sounds out loud? There's billions of people in the world and you have this idea that there's not one person that, that would be better for you than this dirtbag that you're settling for. That, life is a lot longer than a couple of months or even five more years we get so desperate thinking I'm, I'm running out of time i'm already i'm already 30 i'm already 33 i'm already 40 and we start making these really rash decisions based off of our limited concept of time and being afraid of not having more of it life is going to be longer than the next couple months life is going to be longer than the next two years and You may actually just be feeling really lonely right now. Hey, that's justifiable that uh, it's okay to feel lonely, but don't allow yourself to settle for someone that's clearly not good for you because you're lonely right now. You're going to still be lonely once they start treating you like crap after you get married or after you're with them for so long. Those red flags, they just grow and multiply. They don't go away. You can't fix that person. You can't change them to be like somebody else. You, that loneliness that feels a little bit better because somebody else is there, that loneliness is only going to come back and then you're going to feel even worse because you're, you're going to feel trapped and lonely. If it's not lonely, you might actually just feel bored with the mundane. You're bored with life. You don't feel happy. You don't feel fulfilled, and you think that a relationship will help. Uh, will uh, with this person will make you feel like everything's gonna work out. It'll make you feel like you're every like everybody else. I'm telling you guys that it is better to wait for somebody that's right for you, than to settle for somebody that that is just your last chance. Don't settle for the last chance. It's not worth it. It's only going to take you into this big circle of destruction and pain and hurt and trauma. Even if you, if you choose to settle, don't settle. Your life isn't over yet. There's somebody that (laughs) that's listening right now. You need to know that and just believe it that your life isn't over yet. You're not as old as you think you are. You're not, your life isn't so far gone that you, uh, like you think. So don't live like your life is over by making rash, dumb, lasting decisions. I hope that's hitting with you right now. My, this is my last chance. My, the midlife crisis mindset, get rid of that mindset. You're young. All right. You're young. You're hot. You're good looking. You're good. Just keep at it, say strong, and you're going to find somebody that's even better for you. Don't settle. The next mindset is bottom-shelf thinking. This is probably one of the, the worst ones. Bottom-shelf thinking, it sounds something like this. They're the only person that's been nice to me. Well, they're the only person that understands me. Well, they're the only person that has treated me this good. You know, some standards should just go... be. Go without saying. Some standards need to happen without even saying. Don't use stand. Uh, don't use these these things that should should just be as is. That should are, should go without saying as qualifiers. One of the biggest ones, is like he's the only one that's nice to me, or they're the only one that understands me. Well, that should be a given you people whoever you're with should be nice to you regardless that shouldn't be a qualifier that's just like a basic standard if you if someone's not treating you nice or if you've only been with people that haven't been nice to you then you've just been choosing really crappy people and there's something probably motivating you to choose that way and you should probably like get some counseling talk to somebody and identify that because you should not want to you shouldn't so easily choose people that treat you badly being nice to you should not be a qualifier that that's a given that do you do you ever tip your waiter or waitress for not slapping you in the face think about that do you ever tip them uh, and think well they didn't slap me in the face so they were a really good waiter well they, they were really rude, but at least they didn't throw my food on the floor. Do you see how those are not qualifiers of, being, of receiving good service? That's just like standard. So why is it that you have higher standards for food service than you do for potential life partners? We, we put more emphasis in choosing pizza <laughs> or choosing a new car of what we call standards and qualifiers than we do for people that we decide to be with for our entire lives for, for even if it's just for a couple months, for a couple years, why do you let your standards be so low rather than being with someone that's simply available and not the worst of the worst? Why don't you aspire to be with someone that you truly admire and like? Wouldn't that be crazy? So that's the bottom shelf thinking. Now, the last mindset that we're going to talk about is the gullible justification. I hope you guys aren't feeling attacked. <laughs> I hope y'all aren't feeling attacked during this. I, I, want, I want you to be blessed in this. And I want you to, to, to pull yourself out of these problematic relationships. The final one is gullible justification. I already told them that I'm not going to do this or especially for Christians, I already told them I'm not going to have sex. This is... (laughs) I already feel like people are like, like pulling back in their seats right now, lowering the volume. You just tuned out, turned off the podcast. We often choose to be gullible even when everything in our gut says otherwise. Even when everybody else says otherwise, we choose to be gullible because it feels nice in the moment of right now. It feels nice to just be with somebody. And so you allow that gullibility. Like, well, you know, they, they haven't said anything that bad yet. Well, they, they haven't forced me to have sex with them yet. <laughs> do, you, do you see how we allow ourselves to be gullible? Because we like the feeling of not being lonely right now. We like the feeling of being desired for a moment and going through the motions of protecting yourself without really protecting yourself is just allowing yourself to get hurt. You're a, you, you are not, uh, you are not, uh, surprised by getting hurt. You're just slowly allowing yourself to get hurt because you're not really protecting yourself. You're just trying to act like you're protecting yourself and pretending to be gullible guys let's take a moment to really self-identify and and call things out within ourselves if you're a christian and you're trying uh, let me l- let me actually take a, i just feel like i really need to say this let's let me take a moment to sp- speak to you ladies for a second if you are trying to be pure, if you're trying to say, I don't want to have sex, and you're, you find a guy and you simply say, well, look, I'm not going to want to have sex. I don't want to have sex. And he says, oh, yeah, for sure. And you take that as like, just like, oh, well, he already, that's it. Never have to visit this top again, topic again. Anyone that's tried that before, you know that you, you usually end up having sex anyway. People, when both sides both both parties are trying to not have sex eventually end up having sex now you take to where only one person is trying to resist and the other person is is willing to take it if it's offered you're going to have sex i mean me and my wife when we were when we were dating we were trying so hard not to have sex and we got so close so many times even though we were both really spiritual and really passionate about God, and really passionate about being pure, and yet we almost failed so close, and we barely dated for six months. That wasn't even that long, and we were so close to failing, and if you're allowing just that first conversation to be the only conversation and then nothing else, you're going to fall into it. You're going to fail, and let me tell you this, ladies, that you telling a guy that you don't want to have sex means nothing to them. I'm I'm sorry, guys, fellas. I'm I'm letting the cat out of the bag. Guys, look at that as either just a, a, something that you say to every guy, and that, but I'm gonna be different, or that even worse, they'll look at it as a challenge. What you're saying is not really registering in their mind that you don't want to have sex. All they're hearing is that you you uh, have a little bit more. Uh, you have if anything you have a little bit more value in that area and you don't want to give it up to just anybody it it really doesn't register to a guy most of the time all right guys i'm i'm not trying to call everybody out but most of the time it doesn't register to a man and they're they're still going to pursue you sexually and what's going to happen is you're gonna really like how it feels to be pursued and desired. It feels nice to be desired physically, sexually, and eventually you're gonna give in to it and and then pretend to be gullible, say, well, you know, he's different And then you're gonna go back to the to the other ones. He's nice to me. So it's okay that I broke my standard because he's nice to me. And at the end of the day, it was never really a standard. Because that one comment you said about sex meant nothing to him in the first place. It was just y'all talking. It wasn't even real. And you got to understand that time that you set uh, your, if, when you're like giving these standards out, when you make it so clear that that's your standard and, um, and to where it's like, it's like, there's not even a, like a, a conversation about it. And you're like, well, this is just how it is. I hope you're okay with that. Yeah, yeah, sure. You think anyone's, that guy's going to be telling you like, oh, well, I want to have sex, so if you're not going to, I'll just go to the next person. No, they, they, the reason that they don't just call it quits right there is because they still see it as an option. Stop being gullible and understand what people are really like. And, and I'm not saying that all guys are bad, but look at everything that we just talked about when it came to sex. Everyone... Uh, So many people, I mean, 93% of men uh, masturbate because they're sexually interested. want sexual interaction? 76% of women. And that statistic doesn't even uh, account for people that that may have lied about it. That doesn't even account for people that, uh, uh, for even like broadening that statistic. People are, are very sexual. That's just it. And so... You got to just get the, stop being gullible. Stop acting like, uh, oh, just because I said it, we're not going to do it. Get rid of all that. It's going to take some real work if you're wanting to be pure. And the best way to be pure about it, uh, to be pure in a relationship is transparency. Not just with each other, but with other people too. It's only through that kind of transparent accountability that you can have victory in that area. Now, the last thing that we're talking about today, and we're going to wrap things up, is surrendering faith surrendering faith if your faith isn't in the conversation at the beginning it won't be a part of your life at the end let me say that again if your faith isn't in your conversation at the beginning of the relationship your faith won't be a part of your life at the end you either surrender relationships to your faith or you surrender your faith to your relationships. There's no other way about it. Nearly every person that leaves their faith in Scripture and in church do so for the people they're sleeping with at the moment. When you look at Solomon in Scripture, he was the son of David, God gave him everything. His dad set up the whole kingdom for him. He had everything perfect. He would have been one of the greatest kings that ever lived. But what he is most known for in uh, in biblical commu- in the biblical community, when we read it, is the fact that he was taken away by the love of women and others, and and just really sex. And he had over a thousand. Wives and concubines, because he it was so insatiable to him. He just needed the, another person, another person, another person, and every single one of those wives that he chose would lead him into the pagan worship of some other god. It That you look at it as, as Solomon, and it's the same for Samson. Every time, he he it uh. It's like every time in Scripture we see people being led away from God. The whole people of Israel, when uh, Balaam uh, taught Balak how to deceive the people is through causing them to have sex with pagan women so that they would just follow, uh, give up their faith for sex at the moment. And that's what happened, he succeeded. And when you look at your life, think about all the times that you stopped going to church. Just, just that alone, we won't look at anything else. Think about all the times that you stopped going to church. What else was going on? I can almost guarantee you that it was most likely for a lot of us. Okay. Not every time, but for a lot of us is because you started dating. So-and-so and And y'all really liked each other. Spent all the time with each other, started sleeping together. And when you look back, your faith wasn't a really big component within conversations at the beginning. You were just getting to know each other, and out of getting to know each other, your faith just never came up. I'm telling you, when you when it comes to faith and relationships, you either surrender relationships to your faith, to where you, faith is the first thing that you talk about. With me and my wife, it was the very first thing that we talked about. And not just like, well, I'm a Christian, so and I only wanna be with Christians. Do you believe in God? Easy answer. Well, yeah, I believe in God. Sure. No, with me and my wife, we went into the nitty gritty. We tried to understand even uh, practices of our faith. I asked my wife if if she tithed. I wasn't even willing to be with someone if they didn't have the same kind of practices and and sacraments of my faith. Not just if they were a believer, but I wanted a down home spiritual person. And so, if you're just if you're ignoring faith at the beginning that person is going to draw you away from God end of story. And the only moment, this really leads us into a big conversation that we're going to go over quickly. And that is the idea about being unequally yoked. The only moment that you're unequally yoked is at the beginning of a relationship. Now, what that means is it's a Christian saying. And what it means is just being with somebody, that is at the same spiritual level you are, or at least close to it. There, there's a type of direction that you guys are both walking, and if you do not have the same kind of direction, you're gonna have problems. And either y'all are gonna fight so much, and it's gonna lead to just like no peace at all, or one of you is gonna uh, change directions. Let me share this scripture real quick. In First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12 through 16, Paul says, Now I will speak to the rest of you. Though I do not have a direct command from the Lord, if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved Because of you, and don't you, husbands, realize that your wives might be saved because of you? I know that's a lot of scripture that we just read, but let me unpack it for a moment. Paul is literally implying that the differences in faith people have will often lead to divorce because of the lack of peace that often comes. Where else in scripture is there a permission for divorce besides adultery? Nowhere. Yet Paul right here is saying, if you are a believer, if you've come to Christ and you're married and you're a believer and there's no, and your, your spouse is not a believer and there's no peace at all. And they want to leave you. It's okay. He's saying that there's going to be so much animosity because you guys are not equally yoked spiritually that you're, that you're going to have some big problems. And so now let's look at this idea of being a christian and and when it comes to dating if you're if you're not looking to date other christians and you're just willing to accept whoever comes no matter what faith background they have if they're not really into god if they're atheists if they don't mind it but they don't really care for it paul is addressing saying that it is there's a big chance it's going to lead to divorce why would you start a relationship that rocky on such unstable ground when scripture is telling you that that's a, that's a difficult place to be? He says that, he's talking about that uh, God wants you to live in peace. It's okay for if they want to leave you. I mean, it is, it, he's trying to be so clear about how hard it is to, to have a strong faith in being with person that doesn't have any faith. It's just a difficult relationship to have. Now let me be clear in saying that it de- what I'm not saying I'm not saying that it, if you feel like you're so much far advanced spiritually and the other person's not as spiritual as you that you should leave them John Pavere, a great pastor, his first date with his wife, he brought he, he brought her to Christ and they have an amazing marriage now. And so again, you don't have to be so strict about this, but it's it's mainly about just having the same direction in your faith, the same direction in your faith. And the final thing that we're saying today is that desperation causes us to do things out of character for a moment of fear mixed with desire. People, guys, we're desperate. Some of you are so desperate for a relationship that you're allowing fear and desire to make you act out of your character, to act out of your morals because you're you're becoming so desperate. Don't let desperation cause you to forfeit your faith to be with someone that is simply available. There is there's great opportunities. There's a lot of people out there. And there's more people than just the people you've met on your dating apps. There's more people than you've just met uh, at your church. There's more people than you've just met at, at your that you went to high school with. There's more people that you've met Than just your workplace there's more people so don't become so desperate to where you you sacrifice and forfeit your faith something that is so important so needed so valuable and it it, it's not necessary guys let us change that to where we're truly desperate for jesus truly desperate in our faith to find God because we've tried everything else and nothing else works. The only thing that works is Christ. With all that being said, we're going to close and I don't know if you guys can hear my kids crying, but they're crying and <laughs> we're, we're already at a close anyway, but I don't want to take away for a moment to where if you're listening to this message and you're just feeling compelled in your heart to just get some things in order to get some things together and start making your path clear and towards God in a, just a more absolute way. You need to have a moment of prayer and talk to God and say, "This is this is the way I'm going to go from now on, Jesus. I want to change the way that I've looked at relationships before, change the ways that I've looked at sex before, and I want to walk in the direction of God. I want to I want to put it before you, and I want faith to be the biggest thing a part of my life and the biggest thing a part of my relationships." I really encourage you to have a decision moment today to where you pray and you talk to God about it. And if you're listening to this, and maybe throughout this whole message, you realize that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's not about religion, but just simply a love of God. The love of God is so powerful and infiltrates our hearts. And if you're listening to this and you realize that you need to take the first step of faith, all you have to do is believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who He says He is. Acknowledge everything He's done on the cross all, uh, and, and have a conversation with Him and be genuine about it. You do that, and it starts you on this journey of having a real, authentic relationship with God. And I encourage you to, when you do pray, tell God that you don't want an ordinary faith, that you don't want an ordinary religion, but that you want to experience the true rawness of a relationship with Christ and what it feels like and what it, what it's like to have that in your life. With all that being said, um, we're going to close today. I hope that you have a great Valentine's Day. I hope that it's special. And if you have it on your hearts to give today, you can do that by going to GraveTop.com. Click the Give tab. You can give online or you can go use third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App and you can give that way. Those of you who give, your generosity is what empowers Gravetop Church to make a difference in our community. To not only gather and grow as a community, to live transparent lives as we seek God together, but you empower us to have messages like these, to where we talk about really raw stuff and spirit and uh, and uh, and understand what's spiritual about it. You help bring freedom and victory to to so many people. Who haven't been able to talk about this stuff with anyone else we love you we value you and I I pray that you guys really stay safe today Uh, try not to drive on the roads it's icy um, and um, we hope that y'all have a great rest of your day bye I hope you enjoyed the message today if you did there's a couple things that you could do to connect First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, GraveTop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the GraveTop Church Podcast.